This ad-free podcast is part of your Slate Plus membership. Lucky you. episode of Big Mood, Little Mood. I'm your host, Danny M. Lavery, and this show is for you, our Plus subscribers. Our guest this week is Hugh Ryan, a writer and curator, and most recently the author of The Women's House of Detention, A Queer History of a Forgotten Prison. And here we are reading a letter from a listener. I think we should move on to our next letter. All right, let's do this last one. Subject. Late-blooming Violet. I'm a cis woman in a happy, loving marriage with a cis man. We were co-workers, then friends. Then I fell in love when I wasn't looking. I knew before we got married that he was bi, with a slight preference for women. I didn't realize that I was too. Don't get me wrong. I have no desire to leave my marriage, and I love him exactly as he is. But as our two kids are growing and asking questions about sex and sexuality, I wonder if it's ever appropriate to share mine. Aside from this letter a group of online friends, and my husband himself, I've not told anyone that I'm not straight. In some ways, it's felt like it doesn't matter. I've had crushes and fantasies about women, but I've never had a romantic or sexual relationship with a woman, and I'm in a monogamous, straight-passing marriage. I guess it makes me feel a bit like a fraud to even consider myself queer. I suppose I'm wondering, does this make me a fraud? Is it enough to feel queer? To know I wouldn't go looking to date men again if something happened to my husband? How do you come out when you're married anyway, especially to your own children? Or should I not? Ugh. So this is a classic of the genre, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't always answer all of these just because they're they're very, very frequent. I don't want to say like common because each one always, you know, has the nuances of each new situation. But I always think it's useful to kind of step back and kind of ask like, What do you want, letter writer, from coming out? What would be your hopes? Like, you have all the freedom in the world. You are allowed to come out to anyone that you want to, but you don't have to come out to anyone that you don't want to. So I think a a really useful thing to do is just ask yourself, what do I want? Am I hoping for potential? Like, implicit, I think, often in these conversations, even if the answer is no, is, is the question, do I want to talk to my partner about opening our marriage? Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes people just like immediately go to, no, 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 that's too much or too big, or I'm not sure how I would feel about it. And I just want you to feel at least free to think about whether or not that's a question you want to discuss. Um, do you want to make more friends with gay people who understand you in a different way? Um, do you want, what would it do for you? And then I think that will help you, uh, make more decisions. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, where I keep landing on this letter is this line, I guess it makes me feel a bit like a fraud to even consider myself queer. That, to me, is the the heart of this because I find that until I feel settled in myself, until I don't feel like a fraud about something, I can't be happy or comfortable whether I come out to other people about it or don't come out to other people about it. It's It's that feeling like I am fake somehow. Uh, Mm -hmm. which was so much of my young queer journey, trying to figure out what I was and who I was and whatever age you do that at, I think that feeling like a bit of a fraud is one of the most queer feelings you can possibly have. (laughs) Because 
I do think queerness for me rests in something different than just who you have sex with or want to have sex with or what your body is like or what you want to be your body to be like. For me, queerness is about being marginalized because of your desires and your body and your um, sexuality and your orientation and your identity. And this feeling like a bit of a fraud is that marginalization, right? I think that the, 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 the homophobia, the biphobia, the queerphobia that exists in our world is what is making her feel that she is not good enough or real enough to consider herself queer, let alone before we even get to that question of coming out to anyone else, right? Like, the fact that you feel that way indicates to me that you are definitely queer and should never feel like a fraud considering yourself one. Like, join the party. And then if you want to tell other people, I'm always like, yes, 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 absolutely. Do it, do it, do it. Talk to other queer folks. Talk to your husband since he's queer and how you're going to discuss his sexual orientation with the kids. But I'm always in favor of coming out once you're settled in yourself. But for me, this starts with getting this woman this writer, this letter writer, to feel not like a fraud and to say she is enough. Whatever she considers herself, she is. Yeah, I I think there's so much that's useful in there to consider. I, I do think that sometimes there's useful questions you can ask yourself if a feeling of fraudulence comes up. I will say that has not been my primary experience of, of queerness, and I would hope I, I hope there's more to feeling or being queer than feeling fake. Although I understand that's not what you're saying. It's like, don't worry, <laughs> you have to feel like that forever. Um, but sometimes when people say that, I think part of what that means, because she doesn't describe anyone like saying or doing anything biphobic to her. So I think in this case, it's, I'm more curious about, does the fraudulence or the fear of fraudulence here, what that suggests to me is there's some sort of mismatch between what she's asking for, what she's talking about, what she's seeking out, and what she has. And that's not to say that that's something you can like perfectly dispel by simply doing, you know, the following three things. But oftentimes I think fraudulent, like there are lots of bi people who are married to other bi people who feel great about it. You know, like there's lots of bi women married to bi men who don't feel like frauds, who don't feel um, kind of constrained. So I don't want to suggest that that's like an inherent or necessary result of being married to a cis man in her case. So maybe what's going to be useful here is um, fraudulent about what? What's, what's going on that I'm not discussing? What's going on that I'm not considering? You know, are there events I want to go to? Are there people I want to pursue? Are there friendships that I want to cultivate? Are there events that I want to be a part of? Are there support groups I want to join or, or what have you? Are there things that I would like to change about where I go and how I spend my time and who I'm with that I feel like I'm not allowed to do because I am married or because I have kids? But just that line to me that felt like the heart of this letter is, I wouldn't go looking to date men again if something happened to my husband. Mm -hmm. It's just a you know, that's a really interesting formulation of if he died, I would be doing something differently. And I don't at all get the vibe from this letter that the letter writer is like, I kind of hate my husband. And if he fell off of a bus tomorrow, I'd be thrilled. It was more like, there's something I can imagine, but I'm so afraid of it, or I feel like it's not allowed to me that I can only imagine it in the context of the death of my husband. That's the only way I can imagine anything other than our marriage exactly as it is. And so I just want you, letter writer, to think, 
what would it mean if nothing happened to your husband and you said, I'm not even sure that I want to do this, but I want to talk to you about the fact that both of us are really interested in women. And I don't know if that means I want to try having group sex. I don't know if that means I want to try dating separately. I don't know if the idea fills me with alternating, uh, you know, interest, arousal, and jealousy. I don't know uh, if I want to get a girlfriend, but I want to at least talk to you about those possibilities, even if what we decide on is no, because you need to at least be able to imagine things. And I want you to be able to imagine things outside of the context of my husband is dead. Mm -hmm. And I would say, I would want this letter writer, if it feels comfortable, to start engaging in queer community, even if it's not in any kind of sexual. Like, you can be reading queer books. You can go to a queer center. You can go to meetings and lectures and learn queer history and present and and feel like you're developing a community that you can then see how it feels, right? See what you think about those things. Um, you know, and you can do that with your husband. You can do that on your own. And just start to engage that part of yourself so that you, even if you never have a relationship with a woman or anything changes in the specifics of your relationship right now, you still feel like you're part of the community and you're not a fraud. And you wouldn't even then have to wonder about how do I come out because it's integrated into your life, right? Your kids are know that you're going to the um, bi-social group at the center and maybe you take them along sometime, you know? If the books are on the shelves and the, the pride flag is in your room. There are other ways to also get involved with community if what you really want is to be able to come out without changing your current relationship situation. Yeah. And I'll just add to letter writer, you know, by all means, come out to your kids, especially if they're at the age where they're asking about sex and sexuality. Like, don't necessarily say like, sometimes I feel like a fraud. I don't really know what I'm doing right now. I'm questioning a lot of things just because, you know, that's the kind of stuff you share more with peers than with your kids. But God, by all means, yeah, mention that you're bi. Encourage your husband to consider doing the same. He doesn't have to, obviously, but that's 100% fine. Do it tomorrow. Um, have a blast. But I, I think you know, what I just really want to stress, letter writer, that I feel very much here is it's so clear to me how much you love your husband. Um, and, and so I, I'm fully aware this is not like I, I'm secretly chafing and I hate being married to him. And he's like a good enough guy, I guess. But like, I'd so much rather be uh, broken up and dating other people. But you're, I, you know, if it were me, at least, um, I would not be happy if my biggest connection to the queer community was books and flags. I would be devastated if I didn't have the romantic and sexual relationships that I get to have. And if I felt like uh, an entire subsection of that was like cut off from me forever. And yet you're having that while also feeling, I think, deep love for your husband and potentially also a sense of part of me is really committed to our monogamy or is unsure how I would feel if we changed that. And also maybe guilt about you know, if if we questioned monogamy at all, would I be violating the terms of our initial marriage? Would I be, you know, moving in the direction of an eventual divorce? And I can't make any promises or guarantees, um, letter writer. So I would just really encourage you to consider, does the idea of six months from now being out to a few close friends and your kids, going to a few support groups, having some more books, having a couple of gay friends, does that sound good? Does that sound exciting? Or does it feel like that's not nearly enough? And kind of let those emotional reactions be your cue for what do you want. And don't try to make books or friends a stand-in for 
what I actually want is sex and romance, but I'm too afraid to ask for it because I don't know how that will line up with my other um, values and desires. And again, I don't know how you'll be able to reconcile all those things, but I do believe that it is easier to reconcile various slightly incompatible things if you talk about them. So I don't say all of this to say like, obviously the best case scenario is bisexuality has to equal non-monogamy. And the best case scenario is the two of you have just like a seamless, cheerful transition to polyamory in the next eight months. Um, I'm not saying that at all, but I do think that it needs to go from being something that is unmentionable outside of fantasies where he gets hit by a bus, you grieve, everyone feels bad for you, and then you get to be with women. Um, to like real meaningful conversations where you and your husband ask each other questions, take care of one another, listen, and try to figure out how do we as human beings reconcile sometimes competing desires, which are maybe I love you and I love our monogamy. And also I feel like if I don't get to date a woman before I die, I'll be devastated. I'm not sure how to reconcile those two things, but it needs to start with discussion. And also, I mean, I just want to say like, I, if, if you, stay in a, in a relationship in a monogamous marriage and you don't ever have a sexual relationship with a woman that doesn't make you less queer like i i don't want you to feel like oh my god that if i never do this then i am not good enough i am i am fake i, I think there are lots of people who are yeah. married in relationships who are part of the queer community even though they're never going to have a sexual relationship with anyone else in that community because they have decided to have a monogamous marriage and that is real and that doesn't make them less queer so it shouldn't make you less queer either I think that's really, really useful. Yeah, I, I want so much the letter writer to be able to investigate possible internal sources of feelings of fraudulence. But I, I also think that's such a good reminder because I don't want to suggest like, obviously you feel that way because you want to have nine girlfriends. And if you don't get them, you're going to feel bad for the rest of your life. So much as just I want her to be aware of the possibility that some of this could be coming um, from an internal sense of I'm not allowed to think about what I want because it's too scary. But yeah, it's also entirely possible that this is just like a general sort of fear that comes from not being sure whether you'll be like accepted or received well by other queer people. And my goodness, if you hear this and you're like, a lot of that sounded great, but like Danny's whole thing about dating women sounded like a little far from where I'm at, you know, absolutely, that would be a great outcome. That would be a good thing. And you would have every right to pursue the kind of queer community that you want. You're not hurting anybody. You're not taking anything away. There's no there's no gay court of law that would ever convict you of fraud. But once we do get the court going and then we have the absolute authority to assign attachment styles, come back to us. Yeah. Oh, and of course, <laughs> we'll, we'll also be um, categorizing how angry people are allowed to be about their gay childhoods. Yeah. On a scale of like one to ten. Thank you for joining us on Big Mood, Little Mood with me, Danny Lavery. Our producer is Phil Circus, who also composed our theme music. Don't miss an episode of the show. Head to slate.com slash mood to sign up to subscribe or hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're using right now. Thanks. Also, if you can, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to know what you think. If you want more Big Mood, Little Mood, you should join Slate Plus, Slate's membership program. Members get an extra episode of Big Mood, Little Mood every Friday, and you'll get to hear more advice and conversations with a guest. And as a Slate Plus member, you'll also be supporting the show. Go to slate.com forward slash mood plus to sign up. It's just $1 for your first month. If you'd like me to read your letter on the show, maybe you need a little advice, maybe some big advice, head to slate.com slash mood to find our Big Mood, Little Mood listener question form, or find a link in the description on the platform you're using right now. Thanks for listening.